To be a wordsmith is defined as a person who writes, an author, a journalist, a person who commits their thoughts to paper. But I believe it is so much more. The ability to craft a story, to change lives, to transport the ordinary life to an extraordinary place, to put words on paper and awaken the imagination in ways the reader never dreamed possible. Yes, to have the ability to see what isn't there and make you see it too. To awaken the senses in new and amazing ways. To feel a cool breeze on a hot summer day on your cheeks. To smell wildflowers as they bloom. To taste the delicacy on a foreign soil. To feel like you've never felt before. Touching places long forgotten. Connecting with your souls in new ways. That's what writers do. It's my pleasure to host Speaking of Writing, a new podcast. Speaking of Writing is open for authors from all over the world. This gives us an opportunity to broaden our experiences, to hear actual writers' voices, hear what inspires them, experience their trials and struggles, and realize that we all have a story and they are all worth telling. I hope you enjoy this. This is Rose Cushing with Speaking of Writing, the author's podcast that covers international writers. My guest today is N.C. Matheny, and he has written a great book called A Hard Way to Go, The Horse of a Lifetime. So, N.C., give us a little background about you. Oh, thank you so much, Rose. Greatly appreciate this opportunity. Um, Background about me, um, wow, Um, been in, in horse uh, life all of my life. I uh, started riding horses when I was like four and um, just did pleasure riding, didn't do any showing and um, uh, just made um, lifelong endeavor with horses and um, then um, along about um, in the early um, 2000s um, I had a suggestion for my dad to get invested in a carriage company. And so we did, and dad had a carriage company. And I, back in 1988, um, wanted to be a florist. And that was my lifelong dream was to be a flower shop owner. So I designed and made a flower shop. And the carriage was a great asset, I thought, to the flower shop and vice versa. And um, interesting uh, fact about that, <laughs> we never actually did, we did one wedding together, flower shop and carriage, but the carriage went on to do all kinds of things. So that's a little bit of history about me as far as who I am, what we've done, and, um, as, uh, you know, in writing this um, book, it never even came into thought that I could be a writer. Um, I was like the last person on earth to think of writing. Um, as a, as elementary, I was, um, not, uh, I, I was not, I couldn't read. Writing was challenging. Um, as far as, you know, actually reading, they would actually send me down the hall to, to special reading class. And the only thing I remember from that is phonics. Um, it, that's the only thing that helped me was, was an old program called Phonics, and um, 
but so for me to write a book was completely out of the out of the thought of the question. And and then um, there were some events that in 2001 that was just life changing for me. Um, I actually was building a new house, and the plan was this: it was a July 3rd, July sorry, July 23rd. The plan was for me to open the house up. The shell had been constructed for me to open the house up for it to cool off so that my dad and I could work on the inside of the house to um, insulate and wire and do, the, do things that, you know, at our own pace. Well, I was 15 feet up on a ladder, and it slid out from underneath of me and left me free-falling to body slam a floor 15 feet below. Wow. From that experience, um, literally wiped out every sort of memory I had. Um, From 2001 back was gone. And 2001 forward was spotty. I had a condition called shaken baby syndrome, which literally erases memory. So for me to become a writer was awesome because it gave me another chance at life. And after that experience, the person that goes through this experience, they are able to recall what they've already learned, mm-hmm. but it's not available until you see it and do it like that. Um, so for me to relearn the English language and to relearn writing, it all came back from school age, came back very quickly, and now I have confidence in reading, confidence in writing, and confidence in knowing that I can do it. So, wow, what twists and turns God takes us on our journey to land you where he wants you. Isn't that the truth? So, I enjoyed reading your book very much, and um, I think you had such an interest in history with the beginnings in the carriage company, you know, as a, as a young guy driving a, a carriage and stuff. You had some good stories on that, for sure. How long did it take you to write your book? It took quite a while. I, I searched, um, you know, writing the book took about five years to actually sit down and put notes together. What I would do is I would start and make notes of how to write the book and different notes I wanted in the book. And, you know, like Hemingway says, the first draft is complete junk. And um, so <clears throat> basically what I did was I made notes, started down through, and what I did is it's chronological of Casey's life and where we started, like back in my um, my grandfather's history, my parents' history, and then up to where we were in the carriage to find Casey. And so just making notes to start down chronologically through his life, that's how I I did it. And then um, converting the notes to an audio version and like I said, it took about five years. It took five years to find my publisher. And then to actually go through the process of, you know, transcribing and writing all the notes off and doing that took about two to three years to do that. Finding the right publisher is certainly very important. What were your was your criteria when you were looking? My criteria was very specific, and I was waiting for just the right person. Um Number one, the person had to be a horse person because nobody would understand Casey's life unless it was a horse person. And 
And number two, they had to be a Christian. Absolutely. My, my life is definitely centered around Christ and what he can do to change people's lives. And so you decided to go with Gina McKnight and Monday Creek Publishing? Yes, I did. Yes, her name kept coming up. I would ask people, you know, we got getting closer to the process, and I would go, and I, I, I remember a friend, well, a horse friend, actually was Casey's therapist. She would come and do oils and massage therapists for him. And she said, you know, you really ought to check into Gina McKnight. And that name would pop up, and I would go looking for her, and I couldn't find her. And then the next person I'd talk, hey, hey, I really think about writing Casey's life into a book. And they said, well, you can find Gina McKnight. She's local. I'd go looking for her number, and I just couldn't find it. I was delivering flowers one night to a horse friend who had had a horse wreck, I think. I can't remember what had happened to her. And she said, hey, I just finished doing a interview with Gina McKnight. You ought to contact her. And I said, well, great. Do you have her number? And she said, I do. <laughs> and was, I mean, it was like, like full of teeth to find Gina's number. <clears throat> so we finally got a hold of Gina. I was on a Monday. Or maybe No, that was on a Saturday. I got a hold of Gina, and it was a Monday. I got a hold of her. She interviewed me on a Wednesday and took my book that quick. Nice. She says it doesn't happen. She takes about six months to evaluate a story and then determine what she wants to do. But I guess God told her that she didn't have a choice in the matter, that she had to take the book. Well, it's quite an unusual story. Um, Casey was a, a horse that you bought as a colt? Yes. Um, he was orphaned at an hour old, and I had seen him when he was three weeks old. He was fine and um, very healthy. And then our area experienced a tropical depression, and this was in June of 1998. And um, he had a very, very rough time of, going through that tropical depression and the place where he was did not um, care for him like they should have. And he went from a healthy cult to literally at death's door. And when I went back to get him, this is what I found was a horse that was emaciated and um, like literally at death's door. I could not leave that baby there to, to finish dying. I had to bring him home and I got him home and um, literally his life. I'm sure. I'm sure of that. So tell us what was wrong with him. Um, I know he had a, a very unusual disease. He had many unusual diseases, but how we had to end up caring for him was, I think, the most unusual part of it. Um, Casey um, had been determined by Ohio State University that he did not get colostrum when he was a baby uh, from his mother. And that's what set him on the track for um, an unusual high allergy count and um, uh, lots of autoimmune um, disease-related issues. Um, and so you had to build special accommodations for him? and, and uh, In 2003, um, Dad was increasing the carriage business and said, you've got to find a place for your colt. He does not belong in the carriage barn. So I, I had a home of my own, and so I moved him. I built a barn for him and moved him across the road. In the course of, I moved him in in August, and between August and November, he had pneumonia twice. And his barn 
mean, a fan in the window and sawdust on the floor and hay, hay in the loft above. Um, we kept, I just kept eliminating, you know, sawdust and, and we kept the fan in the window, but we just kept eliminating all the things that might possibly be the problem. And when we got done, it was a very stripped down version of what a horse barn should look like. Um, went from that to which he learned to cope and survive. Then um, around 2011, the, the allergies really kicked in. And he even got to the point where he was allergic to flies. Um, he was allergic to his environment outside, inside. Um, we took him to Ohio State in 2016 and had a full allergy panel done. And we determined that all of the things that he was highly allergic to was all the things that was in the environment in southeast Ohio. Um, trees, hardwood, flowers, grass. Um, he was even allergic to the grass he ate. Um, mm. uh, bedding. So that's when we we really did a renovation and we stripped out all of the um, extras in the barn, anything we had. And I had house broke him in 2003 when we learned we couldn't have any bedding in the barn. And literally, he was so well-trained. Um, if he was coming in and out of the field, I would holler up to tell him to do it on his way in, and the horse would stop and pee and poop before he ever got to the back door of the barn. Wow. And then when he got inside, you know, he was on about a two-hour. Uh, every two hours, I'd come check on him. And he would do his business for you, and um, he was just well trained like that. But he, um, during that time, he spent most of his time outside. I, I didn't let him come inside very much. And then in 2013, when he almost died of a 360 torsion, um, that's the colon twisting 360 degrees. We changed and we let him be inside all night. We found that he was really scared at nighttime by himself. Um, and people ask, why didn't we have other horses with him? You know, that's a funny thing. He was a stallion, but you know, he never talked to mares, never talked to other horses. And he, he was fine to live by himself. And I was here all the time with him. So he really wasn't alone. I worked from home a lot. So. Well, he was probably allergic to him too. I mean, you know, it would be hard to find. He was allergic to horse hair. Yeah, I mean, there would have been so many things that, that he could have caught. I can see why it was better for him to be alone in health reasons, for sure. Yeah. Uh-huh. So how long did you have Casey? Casey was with me for 22 and a half years. That's amazing. That is I, brought amazing. Him, I brought him home at five weeks old, and he died in my arms at 22 and a half years. What a wonderful life you gave him to the poor fellow that didn't have a chance. He had no chance, none. That, Literally, when we brought him home, the vet that showed up to, to come out and check him told me he, he is two days from dying. His body was shutting, shutting down. He had the smell of death. And, you know, colts and animals do have that before they die. And that's what he, he did have that. So. Mm. And then he went on to live a very, very full life. And the last two and a half years of his life, I literally moved in with him. I renovated the washroom, and I slept in a bed, and he slept beside me on the floor. 
That's really, really amazing. I would not I would not trade that two and a half years for anything. As a horse owner, I well understand. Now let's get back to the book. So you wrote your book and you selected your publisher. Correct. What do you feel like was your biggest obstacle to get your book done, you know, through your trials and tribulations? The biggest part, I think, was to come up with the meat of the, you know, the, you know, the midsection of the book is the hardest part. You've got your beginning and you've got your ending. Um, well, we were working along in this process, and Gina Sadeshi said, you know, you've been on the mission field and you've done mission work in Honduras. She said, let's put that in there, and why don't you mix that in with your journey? And she said, because of your belief in Christ and your biblical value, mix in your mission work to Honduras. So we did, and we mixed in, um, I did two, two events with human medicine and then two events um, in Honduras with uh, veterinary medicine, and I want to specialize in the equine and just in that side of it in the missions. And so we did. We mixed those in along with Casey's life and put it all together and, and put our adventure into um, um, the mission work along with Casey's life as well. And we were down to the literally the very end of the book and trying to tie it all together. How do you tie a horse story together when the horse that it's about is alive? It's very difficult. Right. And we, I was trying to figure out a way to put an ending on it. And this was like in September, uh, October of um, 2000. And the end just wasn't coming. Unbeknownst to me, God had a perfect exit to my book. Casey died October 30th of 2020, and he literally wrote his own last chapter. That was the um, probably the hardest time of, of that book is to write the end, and then to go back and revisit it is definitely hard to go back and try to write it out in story form. That's what I was just sitting here thinking that I would I would imagine the hardest obstacle was it being such a deeply personal and emotional story. It's not, you know, like a made up fiction, this really happened and there's no getting around that. Yeah, that is probably the hardest part. I think the I think the hardest part of the whole whole ending was the love letter at the end. I mean, I started out I had four pages. Gina said you just wrote a whole book about the love of a horse, and you didn't even want to write a love letter that's four pages. She said, come on, give me a break. <laughs> so, yeah, that was probably the hardest part, putting the end. And I told you, you know, I said, I'm going to write him a love letter at the end. Um, I think that was probably the hardest, probably, I would say, yeah, absolutely the hardest part is to write that ending because not only did I live through the finality of, laying him to rest. I had to write it out. And then now I have to see it in print, you know. Right. Well, what a beautiful memorial to his life. Yeah, so, thank you. So, um, this was your first book. So yeah. what what's left on your bucket list? Are you working on another story? We are working on another story. Um, my, my mother um, 
this winter sit down and pinned out a bunch of carriage um, stories. Um, uh, you know, a lot of the stories are how she's told me. And from the carriage company, we actually, um, she kept notes of every weekend that we were out there. Now, me being the, one of the drivers, you know, I didn't get the chance to find out the funny stories on the street corner after until after the fact. But that is some of the neat parts of of the of this experience. So my mother and I are kind of working together on this, kind of collaborating together to make um, to make this happen. It'll be in the future. I'm not pushing for it in any time soon. I think I really want to enjoy Casey's book and and continue to push it out there and let other people see what an impact um, a horse in their realm, what a difference they can make in that horse. Um, you may not change every horse in the world, but you will change the life of that one horse. Well, I know a lot of my friends have said to me that they thought they were saving the horse, but the horse was saving them. Correct. That's that, absolutely true. Definitely so. So, what do you think has been your best marketing strategy for your book? Um, Gina suggested I blog about Casey's book, and I so I have been. I've written two years with a blog, and that's been a really um, neat way to reach outside of Casey's book, but yet to write about things that we we couldn't put in the book because it'd be smiling, it'd be five inches thick, you know? Right. So, you know, we were able to write um, blogs about him, uh, little short stories. That's been a really good tool. And I noticed by the counter, I keep a real close data count on the um, um, the website, has a, da a data count or a, a hit counter. Uh -huh. And I watched that consistently, month after month, we stay between three to 500 hits on our website. Good. That is a real, I think that's a really big attraction. And then the other thing too is um, your social media platforms, just keeping your book, your content in small clip form out there on the social media platform. It's a full-time job if you want to keep it, keep it going that way. Right, right, definitely so. Um, I think the, then, blo the blog was really smart because the people fall in love with the story and uh, want to continue learning more. And then people like yourself that come along and say, "Here, you know, let, let me let me put you on a podcast or put you in in a in a neat um, opportunity." That is not by chance. There are no nothing by chance. God opens doors and He closes doors at the right time, at the right moment. And this is a labor of love from Him, definitely. I agree. And, you know, um, for everybody out there listening, the special opportunity that NC's talking about is I produce a TV show called Carolina Hoofbeats TV. It's been around about 10, 15 years and it's exclusively about horses. But even if you don't own a horse and you just love a horse, it's worth watching. But uh, we're going to feature some excerpts of filming from NC and talk a little bit about his life with Casey in one of our upcoming episodes. So watch for that because I'll post a link to it on this page when it's out there, so you can get a chance to see what Casey looked like and, and what life was really like. So um, it's a pretty unusual story. Well, thank you so much for this opportunity. 
Well, I've enjoyed talking to you greatly, and I am so excited you're doing another book because I think the carriage stories will be fantastic. I cannot wait to read it. And we, as you get further along in it and you're about ready to release it, let's talk again. Okay, that sounds good. Thank now, you so much. We look forward to um, seeing the opportunities that God presents. Um, he is definitely up, up for surprises in our lives. And um, if we give him, God, the chance and the glory for what he's accomplished, we will go far. Now tell everybody, listen, how they can get your book. Uh, you can go to my website, ncmathini.com. It is also available on Barnes & Noble and Amazon. Um, and um, those are the three main platforms um, that you can, can go and get my book from. Go to the website, ncmathini.com, and sign up for the uh, blog post. Um, you probably will get it now from MailChimp. We're transferring to MailChimp platform because we have too many subscribers. But that's a really good thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. So ncmathini.com, a hard way to go, the horse of a lifetime. That's it, yes. All right. Thanks for being on the show, NC. And thank you guys for listening, as always. Thank you. Greatly had a great pleasure to participate.